So the reading this morning is from Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent in any of them, but to a widow in Zaphareth, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Thank you for your word and the way that you speak through it. I pray that this morning you would open our ears and our hearts to hear and understand what you are saying to us and help us to apply it in our lives. Amen. Can you all hear me? Right. A strange thing happened to me recently when I was shopping in Sainsbury's. I was queuing up at the till when I was suddenly aware that the young man on the next till was staring at me rather intently. It was only as I got nearer to him and could read his name badge that I realized that I'd taught him for the four years that he was at middle school. I hadn't seen him for 10 years. He recognized me because in these 10 years I hadn't changed much. But he had changed from a little boy into a fully grown man with a beard and a deep voice. So I didn't recognize him at all. In my mind's eye, he was still 12 years old. However, some things never change, because when I said hello to him, he said, hello, miss. 
at least he didn't put his hand up and ask if he could go to the toilet. <laughs> this microphone seems to be ringing, Peter. Is it that one? Okay. I think that Luke is recounting a similar incident in today's reading. Many of the people who heard Jesus read in the synagogue on that Sabbath day would have known him for most of his life. Matthew's Gospel says that Mary and Joseph took Jesus to live in Nazareth when he was a small child. After King Herod's death, they returned from Egypt, where they had fled after Jesus' birth, and they made their home in Nazareth rather than returning to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. As in any small town, the people would have watched Jesus growing up, playing and learning carpentry in Joseph's workshop, helping Mary with the household chores and looking after his brothers and sisters. They may even have told him off when he got into mischief with his mates. And they might have looked after him if Mary and Joseph needed a sitter. These inhabitants of Nazareth felt that they knew all about him. But in fact, they knew Jesus the boy, not Jesus the man. Jesus had recently started his itinerant ministry in Galilee. After his baptism and time of temptation in the desert, he had moved to Capernaum, a thriving city at the top of the Sea of Galilee. And he was already getting quite a reputation because of the miracles that he was doing. It was not uncommon for visiting teachers or rabbis to be asked to read in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and this is what happened when Jesus returned to his home village of Nazareth. The people would undoubtedly have heard the stories of what Jesus had been doing in Galilee, and they were probably quite proud of him. But they could not have been prepared for what he would say that day in the synagogue. The scroll that was handed to Jesus to read was quite significant. It was from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has sent me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. By Jesus' time, these words had become synonymous with the promise of a saviour who would bring God's deliverance to his people. And when Jesus says that this scripture has come true today before your very eyes, he is claiming to be this saviour. This is the man that the people of Nazareth now need to get to know. The boy they were so familiar with has grown up. The reaction to Jesus' claim is strong and diverse. Luke says that some of the people are amazed by the gracious words that fell from his lips, whilst others are so furious with him that when he has finished speaking, they chase him from the synagogue, hoping to kill him by pushing him over a cliff. But he slips away from them and returns to continue his ministry in Capernaum. The reason the people of Nazareth found it hard to believe in Jesus as God's promised deliverer was, to the, was that to them he would always be Joseph the carpenter's son. <coughs> I wonder whether some of us are like this, 
Perhaps we need to see Jesus in a different way. Many of us have been following Jesus for a long time, but has he grown and changed as our relationship with him has deepened? Or is he still the same Jesus he was when we first encountered him? Could we have the slide on the screen, please? Next February, Ian and I reach a milestone in our life together when we celebrate our silver wedding anniversary. We will have been married for 25 years. And behind me, you will see a photo of us on our wedding day. When I look at that photo, the couple I see are almost unrecognizable to me. We look so young and quite unprepared for what lies ahead. But we loved each other and we knew that we wanted to be together. As with any relationship, there have been ups and downs, heartaches and joys over the past 25 years. But the things that we have been through together mean that our love is so much deeper than it was on our wedding day because we know and understand each other so much better. Our relationship has grown along with our love. You can take that down now. <laughs> you can leave it there if you like. <laughs> For the people of Nazareth, the boy Jesus was easy to deal with. I expect that he was very cute amenable and obedient, a joy to look after. Jesus the man is different. Soon after this story takes place, Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. For Peter, James, John and the other disciples, life would never be the same again. They would leave everything they owned to follow Jesus, the man who could command the wind and sea to be still who could raise people from the dead, cast out demons, heal lepers, give sight to the blind, feed 5,000 plus people with a few loaves and fish, and be so angry that he turns over the tables of the money changers in the temple. They would be challenged in every area of their lives. Peter even walked on water as Jesus called them to join him in an adventure that would continue for the rest of their lives. Now, I don't know about you, but adventure is not something that I feel very comfortable with. I think there's a very definite adventure gene, and I'm not sure that I have it. A few years ago, I was taking part in a course at Worth Abbey with Christians from other traditions. One evening, the group I was part of was asked this question. Is it possible for us to know God's will for our lives? I was really challenged by the answer given by a Quaker lady. This is what she said. She didn't believe it was possible for her to know God's purpose for her whole life. But she could know his purpose for her at this moment and the challenge was to live adventurously, open to what God wanted her to do. Although I don't really do adventure, her words sparked something in me because I wanted to be able to live like that. 
One of the reasons I find adventure so hard is because I like to be in control. When we go away for the weekend, I like to know where we're going and what we're doing so that I can pack the right stuff. And Ian is trying very hard to cure me of this by planning surprise weekends away. But I find them very hard because I have to trust him that he will give me the right information to enable me to pack everything that I will need or that I think I will need. And just as Jesus called his disciples to follow him, so he wants to invite each one of us on an adventure. But he needs us to trust him. Are we prepared to trust Jesus, the man who made extraordinary claims, challenged people wherever he went, and changed so many lives? Do we believe that he can be trusted with what lies ahead? that he will give us the information that we need to follow him and make a difference in this world? Or will we be like the people in the synagogue in Nazareth who couldn't see Jesus the man because he was, for them, always Joseph the carpenter's son, safe, amenable, but ultimately unable to change their lives? There's a song by Martin Joseph called Kiss the World Beautiful. Many of you will know that he's one of my favorite singer-songwriters. His songs always make me think about how I'm living my life. And this song has these words. I want to kiss the world beautiful, dream but never fall asleep. Go up to God and say, do you have plans for today? Are you walking down my street? Jesus does want to walk down our street and he does have plans for today that he wants us to work on with him. Will we say yes to him? It may not always be comfortable. It may challenge us in ways that we don't like, but it will always be worthwhile because Jesus, the man who came to bring sight to the blind, freedom to the captives and good news to the poor, will be walking with us. I'm going to end by asking the music group to sing a song called All I Know, which will be familiar to many of us. I invite you to listen and to use this song as a way of responding to God. And if there is something that you would like to pray about, then go to the side chapel at the end of the service where somebody will pray with you. I do not stop. 